The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. How can I best leverage my performer and maven sparkotypes now that I have the freedom and the privilege to pursue a career that leans into my strengths and interests? Hey, so how do you know when it's time to stop exploring, to commit to one or two things and narrow your focus and really build? Is that even the right path for everyone? And more important, when you're making decisions about whether to keep doing a whole bunch of different things, running experiments to try and figure out what's speaking to you or really zoom in on one or two and focus whose voice is in your head when you are making the call. These are some of the key topics that we dive into today as we explore a story in question submitted by our Spark listener, Angie, who is a young entrepreneur struggling to find her ideal career. Angie left a nonprofit job a year ago to pursue freelancing and She's been experimenting with different freelance projects like copywriting, curriculum design, social media management, and more to really get a beat on what she enjoys, which is an amazing approach. And she says that she loves the time and creative freedom of freelancing, but feels that she's not, quote, living up to her potential, which is something that a lot of us have felt over the course of our careers during times of transition. And sometimes that feeling can lead us to all sorts of other questions and feelings some of which are really productive, some of which aren't. We dive into all of this today. And on deck with me this week from the Spark Brain Trust to help tease out what really matters and share insights and ideas is founder of Parachute Executive Coaching, acclaimed executive coach, advisor to senior leaders for more than two decades, and the author of two great books, The Accidental Alpha Woman and The Complete Executive, Karen Wright. So quick note here, you'll hear us mention something we call the sparkotypes in conversation. What is that? Turns out we all have a unique imprint for work that makes us come alive. This is your sparkotype. When you discover yours, everything, your entire work, life, even parts of your personal life and relationships, they just make more sense. And until you know yours, well, we're kind of fumbling in the dark. And just like today's listener did, you can discover your sparkotype for free at sparkotype.com. You'll find a link in the show notes. And hey, if you'd like us to answer your question on an upcoming episode, you can also find the link to submit your question to the Spark Brain Trust in the show notes too. Now, on to Angie's story and question. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Spark. I'm Angie, she, her pronouns. I'm 30 years old, and almost one year ago, I left my job in the nonprofit world to pursue full-time freelancing. I wasn't even sure what services I would offer through my own business, but I knew I was meant to work for myself instead of for an employer. It was important for me to take time to be very intentional with my next career moves. So rather than commit to a self-employed career vision from the get-go, I've spent the past year dabbling in different freelance projects just to see what I enjoy, from copywriting to curriculum design to social media management and beyond. 
I love many aspects of my freelance work, especially the time and creative freedom, but I have this nagging thought that I'm just not living up to my full potential and I'm ready to narrow down my focus toward long-term work that fulfills the life I actually want to live. Sometimes I feel like an assistant to others' dreams when what I really desire is to build something of my own. I find myself at my most joyful as well as in a flow state when I'm writing and speaking. I run and I MC a monthly storytelling event in my community, and I've been a guest on a handful of podcasts, so I see my primary sparkotype of performer come out often. I've always gravitated towards work with words, including writing, teaching, speaking, even editing, and that seems to be how my performer manifests. I can't explain why, but I've always loved presenting information to others and inspiring an audience. At the same time, I'm a chronic learner and dabbler. I find so much joy in the process of learning rather than becoming an expert in one thing, which makes it difficult to commit to long-term projects or career goals. I think that's my maven shadow archetype. Again, I can't put into words why this is, but I've always felt too well-rounded in a world of people who stand out in a specialty. Meanwhile, I just want to collect knowledge wherever I can. My question to you. How can I best leverage my performer and maven sparkotypes now that I have the freedom and the privilege to pursue a career that leans into my strengths and interests? Of course, it would be incredible to spend all my time learning and then sharing what I've learned with others, but that sounds extremely vague and it's hard to envision what a self-designed career could look like. Thank you. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Lars Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. Karen Wright, good to be back in conversation around this really interesting setup from our listener, Angie. Um, She's in a moment where I think a lot of people can probably relate to certain elements of what she's exploring. She's 30 years old. She left her uh, her job in the world of nonprofit about a year ago, it sounds like now. And she's thinking about a whole bunch of really interesting options. I know that both you and I have explored in a lot of different ways over many, many years. Um, so um, what's your sort of meta take? Like, where do you want to jump in here? Ooh, I mean, there's a piece of me that wants to just talk about when and why it might be valuable to work for other people for a while. Because mm. what I don't really get from her um, thing that she submitted, I don't really get kind of what she had done prior to that decision. And so there's a piece of me that has a little bit of, of thinking about that. But And then I think the question of, do you need to make your living doing the thing you like to spend your time doing necessarily? Or to what degree is that a necessary condition for happiness? Yeah. Let's dive into both of those because both of those were on my mind too. So what, let's start out with that first one. You know, like okay, cool. the whole notion of actually when and why 
you would actually even think, well, I'm going to go, go, it's time for me to stop doing this, quote, for or with somebody else and just like make it mine. Yeah. And I mean, you and I are both entrepreneurs and we both build things and have had success building things and maybe some less less so doing other things. So, you know, I think we've both sort of covered the landscape. Um, the thing that strikes me though, so I grew up as the child of a, an entrepreneur, a retailer, and whether it was because of that or adjacent to that, a healthy disrespect for authority. So I was never really all that good a fit in a corporate environment. That said, it was clear to me for quite some time that there were things I could learn there that I wasn't going to be able to learn on my own. And so I can totally relate to the idea of it was just clear to her that she wanted to be working for herself, not for somebody else. But to make that leap without a plan or a sense of the what, for me, says maybe there was an opportunity missed around learning some things or taking a little bit of time to figure this out. So um, I also know that both you and I have uh, interacted with people who were in this contemplation and help them maybe hold back from making a rash decision or a decision that didn't have a real kind of safety net with it. So, um, yeah, I just, I've got some curiosity around whether or not there was, there was still anything to learn from working for somebody else while you figure out the thing that you want to do going forward. Yeah. I mean, it is an interesting question. And, um, and, and just to be clear, we are, we're making no assumptions here. Um, we're, we're just, right. we're asking the question. I think yeah. it's, both you and I have had the experience of working for really giant organizations in the past, finding our way out of those organizations and into our own endeavors. And I, I personally had the experience of doing a little bit of ping-ponging between like, do I, don't I, um, am I really done sort of like figuring out? Yeah, uh, when I Yeah, when I left the law like many, many years ago now, I knew that I was really done with the context that I had been in. But I was trying to hold on and say, is there another place for me in yeah. in this field? And so I went to a completely different context. I went from a massive federal government bureaucracy to a very large private um, firm. <laughs> yeah. And and just, you know, thinking back to it, there was, did I enjoy either experience? Not entirely. But was it, am I really glad that I did it? And did I soak up just a ton of stuff? Absolutely. So what I, I guess what we don't know from Angie is where where was she in that journey? Like w- right. had she actually spent the last decade or something like that trying on different things? You yeah. know, I guess there's a deeper there, there's a question I think we both have around that yeah. and more broadly with the conversation for anyone else who's considering making the leap into entrepreneurship. Yeah. You know, just considering like what is what's sort of like an, an a a progression that lets you feel like you're really, really ready. And you've, you've done the figuring out sometimes while you still have stability and security and room to play, and you don't feel a certain time pressure um, right. or urgency or scarcity. Well, and bearing in mind that, you know, I'm in the presence of the person who wrote the book on uncertainty. I think we all have to be really willing to calibrate just exactly how much uncertainty is okay. Is financial uncertainty okay? Is is sort of directional uncertainty okay? So, you know, everyone's got a different sort of litmus test on that. As far as the, the decision to leave or not, I mean, my own first pass at entrepreneurship wasn't entirely of my own choosing because I had moved with the big company that I worked for internationally and it didn't work out. 
And so I was faced with, do I go back into what was essentially the job I left with them or just say, you know what, I think we're done here. And so that was what I chose to do. And I went out on my own. I actually went back into a corporate job eight or nine years later, sort of because I felt like there was something sort of unresolved. And that was me. And I, you know, I've stayed in that corporate environment for a couple of years at that point and then went back out. And I feel like when I went back out, it was with much more clarity and intention, but also my tolerance for uncertainty had changed. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's so many factors that, that go into this, but I mean, I just, I give her credit for self-awareness. You know, I'm, I feel confident enough to think I could build something and work for myself and be successful at it. And I think that's huge because a lot of people don't have that. Yeah, 100%. And I also love that, as Angie shared, she's she's being very intentional with the way that she's sort of exploring. She, she kind of said, look, I, I own the fact that I'm not entirely sure what this looks like, yeah. what the different paths or channels or things are that I might want to sort of like eventually go all in on. So instead of just picking one and saying, I'm going all in on this, she's running experiments. She's just sort of saying, let me try on this. Let me yep. try on this. Let me try on this. With the goal being not necessarily like, this is a thing I'm going all in on and it must succeed, but more, what can this tell me mm-hmm. about, about like what might be the, the, you know, the best next path to follow? I totally agree. And again, I give her credit because an awful lot of people aren't willing to let something, you know, air quotes fail or, or to try something and choose to abandon it. That's just, that's a, a, kind of decision-making that an awful lot of people are really reluctant to to engage in. So for her to be able to do that and say, yeah, I'm going to try this. And if it doesn't work out, okay, I'll learn something and let me try something else. I love that. So I think she's she is very well equipped, I think, to be figuring this out and to be on this journey. Yeah. So there was something else that she said, though, that really stood out to me in the context of this sort of like season of experimentation. She said, I love many aspects of my freelance work, especially the time and creative freedom, but I have this nagging thought that I'm just not living up to my potential and I'm ready to narrow down my focus towards long-term work that fulfills the life I actually want to live. What comes up when you hear that? I uh, That was heartbreaking for me to hear. Because whose idea of potential is that all about for starters? And how do we define potential? And I mean, that's for me, that felt like, and again, I could be totally wrong, but it felt like it's rooted in one model of success. And as someone who loves to ping pong around amongst subject matter, uh, I could relate to that. Oh, I love a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this other thing. So um, yeah, I, I would love for her to figure out kind of what that's rooted in and, and, maybe rethink her relationship to that idea of potential. Yeah. What do you think? You know, same thing. You know, that, that phrase just jumped out as, ooh, like, um, whose expectations and standards yeah. um, am I holding yeah. myself to right now? You know, and what's interesting is when you decide to take this journey um, away from sort of a mainstream conventional path and into your own, and she's being, as we, as we shared She's being really intentional and running the experiments, which a lot of people on the outside don't actually understand and support. They just want you to pick a thing and go all in because they don't understand the value of actually spending the time doing this. She does, but it seems like there's still a voice in her head that's saying, but other people or my expectations, my prior, the way that I've been indoctrinated into understanding success and potential, it's still kind of telling me 
that I have to do it this particular way if I ever want to sort of like be in that place where, you know, I'm, I'm fully expressed. And I, I love the sort of like the notion of revisiting whose voice in your head is yeah. saying that. Um, and is it true? You know, and, yeah. and, and who gets to decide? Um, the recent conversation we just aired on, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago with Jason Mendelson is like a great example. And Angie, if you haven't heard that yet, definitely re-listen to it because he's a beautiful example of somebody who's built this stunning career, very intentionally never choosing only one thing. And in fact, he says when he does choose only one thing, it actually feels stifling to him. And okay. a lot of people will say, well, it's actually not possible to, quote, succeed on conventional terms, making the choices that he's made. But at, if you actually look at his career, he has been stunningly successful by those conventional terms yeah. and nearly everything that he's done. And he says it's because he's actually said yes to all of it, because that's just the way he's wired. Well, and if you have multiple aptitudes or multiple interests, and you are able to find a way to light several of them up all at once, how can that be anything but brilliant? I mean, really. But I guess... The other thing I wanted to offer up is that if that idea of in order to be successful and live into your potential, you must do one thing. If that's coming from well-meaning friends and family, it might just be because they don't want her to get hurt. Yeah. They don't want her to feel the pain of failure. Um, when in fact, you know, to your point, she is framing all of this as experimentation and learning. And I didn't hear anything about failure except in that comment about potential. Yeah. So the, the, the very last part of what she also said there, it was, and she said, I'm ready to narrow down my focus towards long-term work that fulfills life I actually want to live. So the question is, how do you know? How do you know you're ready? If, you, if you've been out there running experiments for about a year, right? And now you're kind of saying, I'm ready to narrow it down. How do you know that you're ready to narrow it down? Because in my mind, the way that you know is that one of the experiments, or maybe two, something starts to call you, something starts to speak to you on the level that says, I want to do more of this. This is like pulling me in from ahead rather than pushing me from behind now. This is going right. beyond running the experiment and it's doing something to me. It's making me feel a certain way that I want to feel more of and I want to go deeper into it. And that tends for me, at least, to be the signal that like when it's, quote, time to narrow, and also it gives me a bit of the trajectory about like what direction to choose when I'm narrowing. What's your take on this? A hundred percent. I'm a big believer in the running towards versus running away from, and the running towards is very much a call. And if you're not necessarily feeling the call toward one thing, another way at it is to start hiving things off to say, well, what if I put that aside? How would it feel to put that aside for a week, a month, you know, and just experiment with, you know, I've been having fun doing that. I don't know if it's my thing. Let me experiment with just putting it away and just seeing what it feels like to take that thing off the table. Um, and it also doesn't mean that you can't enjoy all of your interests, but you don't have to make money at all of them. They don't all have to be your living. And in fact, there is risk to doing something you love as your occupation because you risk losing your love for it when you have to do it. Okay, so there's a, there's a bunch of things embedded in in that, but um, but yeah, I do think there's still some experimentation, but there's that sort of narrowing of the funnel that is, uh, and how she feels about it will be a great a great revelation, right? If she takes a couple things off the table and she's focused on one or two, and she starts feeling less lit up, there's a there's a, another good experiment. Yeah. And, and to me, it was also a signal to keep running the experiments that maybe, yes. maybe the thing that says, I'm ready to narrow it down, actually, again, is 
what's the voice in your head that says, I'm ready? Is it that I'm actually ready? Or is it a voice that says, I should be ready now? Yeah. Or what I'm really ready for is to not hear other people telling me I'm not living into my own potential. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of just sort of like introspection, questioning around around this moment. And it sounds like Angie is very, like, she's very introspective. She, she's intentional and reflective, which is awesome. She's yeah. asking all these yeah. questions. And pretty self-aware, but I would never want anybody to make themselves wrong for being well-rounded. Yeah, 100%. One of the other things that she was sharing a little bit later was, so it sounds like, you know, she has these drives as a performer, which is about energizing, mm-hmm. animating, a moment interaction experience, and also as a maven, just a deep passion, a love of learning. And those go together in really beautiful ways. And and as she shared, like, you know, like speaking and writing are two things where she loses herself in flow. And that is one of the sort of like the core elements of the sparkotypes is when you're doing this work that just aligns with who you are. It's We find that it's actually much easier to drop into that space. So if we get a little bit more granular, you know, around her saying, you know, she's run experiments with a monthly storytelling event in the community, been a guest on podcasts. So she, you know, she sees her performer and her maven come out in those different ways and and shared that she gravitates towards work that includes writing and teaching and speaking and that that's really deeply nourishing. But again, it sounds like she's running the experiments, but she hasn't quite found the combination of of channels or or forms of expression that really say I just want to go deeper into this, but it does sound like she's found general sort of like categories of ways to let these impulses out that are nourishing. Yeah. I wonder, or I wonder whether she just hasn't found a business model that mm. enables as many of the things that she really wants to yeah, do. So and say so more as, about that. As, yeah. Well, so as she mentioned the storytelling thing, and as you were just talking about it there, it struck me, you and I both know someone who uh, is in the storytelling space, Marsha Shander, and she has created a monthly storytelling event. And she charges admission. I don't think she makes very much money at it, but it gives her an opportunity to welcome people into a space to hear stories. It gives her an opportunity to coach the storytellers. And so she is immersed in that very broad world of storytelling um, and and loves it. And I know for sure that's not how she makes most of her income, Um, but it is a thing that really lights her up and I think probably fuels her when she's confronted with doing some of the slightly less creative and exciting work that she does by day. Yeah. And I think it's really exploring all the different ways of not just what makes me feel alive, but also if this is in fact something that you want to sort of like bundle in a way that supports you in the world, what are all the different, like, so run the experiments of the business models too. Yeah. Try What if I try doing it this way? Like, where is this sweet spot between the thing that makes me come alive and the thing that people value enough? so that they are willing to compensate me on a level that will allow me to comfortably support myself. And that's a whole different set of experiments. Yeah, it is. And that's the Japanese ikigai, right? The, uh, is that what it is? It's the what the market wants and what you're good so at. That's, and what, you know. So that's the meme that's been floating around around ikigai, but <laughs> it's, not but real, it's actually not real. Exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, but, you know, but that's the idea though, right? Is to find the convergence. Yeah, of, oh. exactly, exactly. You know, one of the, there's another, something else that jumped out at me that Andy shared, which was, she said, you know, that I've always felt too well-rounded in a world of people who stand out in a specialty. What goes on in your mind when you hear that? I think the world needs to have a wider spectrum of 
inviting people to stand out, considering who stands out. I think that, again, I think this, this tracks back to sort of a conventional definition of what being special means. Yeah, I, I, I mean, sure, I think it's easier to spot people when they've got a very overdeveloped something, but it doesn't mean that the others don't bring great value and, and don't contribute to the creation of something wonderful. Yeah, I mean, it's also, so I make a distinction in the world of entrepreneurship, especially in the online space, um, especially in the sort of like education or information space. There's this edict, you know, you've got to niche down. Like, that's the only way to do oh. it. Narrow, 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 because you need to be known as the X person in your domain. The the one person that everybody goes to for this very, very narrow specific thing. And the reality is like, if that's actually a comfortable thing for you to do from a business standpoint, it does often make it a lot easier. Sure. It's, the brand is crystal clear. There's no confusion. People know exactly who to go to. Not everybody can comfortably do that. And even if you can, not everybody wants to because it may make the business model easier, but your life less fulfilling because of what you've done to actually make the model easier. Yeah. And I also make this distinction between um, process expertise and domain expertise. Oh, so yes. a lot of people are <laughs> like all the guidance is based around domain expertise, become an expert in this yes. one thing and become known for that only. And that's the way that everybody says to do it. But there's a whole different way to be expert and that's expert at a particular process. And then that process, especially for mavens, this is such a great way to approach it. You become an expert in the process of learning, in the process of storytelling, in the process of sure. digesting and translating, whatever it may be. Yeah. And now you can apply that to like literally every domain of expertise on the planet, every field, every industry, every person. So this is one of the, the examples that stands out to me that, that I've always loved is, is Ray and Charles Eames, this legendary design um, partnership. And some people know them as the iconic designers of the Eames chairs and furniture that you see in all this, you know, like all these different magazines and in and, and people's homes. Other people know them as filmmakers. Other people know them as graphic designers. Other people know them as the people who created splints and actually medical assisted devices for people who were in war. And what they were really known for was process expertise. They could figure out, people could come to them with a complex problem and they had a process of designing and thinking and figuring out that would apply to nearly any problem in any domain. And they became known for that process, that mm -hmm. ability we don't talk about developing that. But when you think about that, it gives you, especially if you're a maven and, and somebody who loves to explore a ton of different things, it gives you the ability to have so much more freedom and just really get good at a particular process and then apply it you know, across so many different contexts that keeps that, that other part of you alive. I'm kind of jumping out of my chair here. <laughs> I used to work with a senior exec who within his corporate environment used to differentiate between the high pot and the hot skill. Mm. So the hot skill is that person who's really, really good at one thing and there's a lane and they're going to stay in it and they're going to go deep, deep, deep and they're going to be the go-to. And the high potential was the person who had the ability to bring process and people leadership to any situation and get things done. And so if you take that out of a corporate model and put it into sort of the broader world, I've always differentiated in my domain, which is coaching. Coaching is not a what, it's a how. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of people who are great at what, and, you know, knowledge economy has really 
um, highlighted that and magnified that and exaggerated that idea of being good at a what. But that how is exactly what you're talking about. It's how do I bring a methodology or a process or a framework or an approach or a system or something into this narrow domain such that it can be brought forward out into the world. So Angie does sound like she's more of a more of a how than a what kind of person. And maybe she's been long surrounded by people who have really highly developed what's and she's maybe not seeing that there is that that broader spectrum way of engaging and adding value. Yeah, no, it it seems like that may be the case. So I guess Angie, you know, one of the invitations again is to sort of like think about this. You know, because maybe you're actually doing exactly the type of thing that you're doing. And maybe over the, this last year or so, you've actually started to figure out a lot of like really interesting processes that you're yeah. really skilled at or good at or that really draw you. But maybe you haven't thought about that as an actual sort of like a an expertise or a quote specialty yeah. that you could develop and refine to a point where it would be something where you can build a living around and also give you the freedom to really sort of deploy it in a lot of different contexts that would yeah. satisfy that sort of desire to just learn about everything and anything. Yeah. I mean, there's an alchemy when you bring writing, performing, speaking, you know, you can bring that all together and say, how do I take all of these ideas and apply them to you who want to bring your particular thing out into the world? Or, um, yeah, I think there's, there's some really interesting potential here, I think. Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm I'm excited. Angie, definitely check in with us down the road a little bit. Yeah, because please. I love the I just love the thought process. I love your intentionality and uh, and I'm excited to uh to see where where the journey takes you. Um yeah. any 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 final thoughts or words before we wrap here? Just to encourage Angie to Angie, give yourself the freedom to continue the experimentation and really feel into what feels good and and where you find people responding to you. Cause that's the other thing, right? Is that, you know, when, when you're in your zone, when you're in flow, people around you are going to see it and they're going to react to it and it'll just kind of layer on what you're already feeling. So it sounds yeah. to me like you're, you're moving in the right direction. You're moving in a direction that I think is going to really um, provide some rich answers. Yeah. Love that. Listen more to the call in the shoulds also. Absolutely. That's like, you're, you're, you're going to know from the inside out um, yeah. more than anything And thank else. the people who care for you. Thank 100%. the people around you. Say, I appreciate your concern. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, think about that. I'll get back to you. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Karen, thanks as always. Angie, I hope you found this valuable. And to our fabulous listening um, community, we hope um, you found it valuable no matter what part of the journey you are on also. And we will see you here again next time. Take care. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation, learned a little something about your own quest to come alive and work in life, and maybe feel a little bit less alone along this journey to find and do what sparks you. And if you'd love to share your own moment and question with us, we would love to hear from you. Just go ahead and click on the submissions link in the show notes to get the details on how to do that. And remember, if you're at a moment of exploration, looking to find and do or even create work that makes you come more fully alive, that brings more meaning and purpose and joy into your life, take the time to discover your own personal Sparkotype for free at Sparkotype.com. It'll open your eyes to a deeper understanding of yourself and open the door to possibility like never before. And hey, if you're finding value in these conversations, please just take an extra second right now to follow and rate Sparked in your favorite podcast app. This is so helpful in helping others find the show 
and growing our community so that we can all come alive and work in life together. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked.